last week. Um, we had a great time last, at least I had a great time last week, I don't know what you had. But uh, last week we looked at um, God in, in the cosmos and we looked at, uh, uh, you know, stars and supernovas and all that cool sort of stuff and we, we, we sang How Great Is Our God and I love that song because my God's great. And people say, oh, you know, I, I don't think God's that great and, you know, God's not this and God's not Man, he spoke and this all sprang into being, all, everything around us. Billions of stars in billions of galaxies. Our mind was just blown last week trying to get our head around what God has done. And when I was finished, as, as always, and, and, you know, you talk about stars and constellations and, and supernova and black holes and people came up to me and said, oh, you didn't mention this star and you didn't mention... I can't mention all everything, I'm afraid, okay? But afterwards, Dr. Francois came up to me and he said, you should talk about the human body because our bodies are marvellous. Even if you don't like what you see when you look in the mirror, your body is still marvellous. Some perhaps are more marvellous than others, but they're all marvellous. And I thought, that's a great idea. So being a, a conscientious sort of chap and listening to my doctor, I said, yes, sir. And uh, so today I want to look at God's greatness in our bodies. Because we overlook this all the time. But you, you have no idea how unbelievably awesome you are. You just don't, I, I hope I blow your mind in kind of the, we went big last time talking about supernovas and galaxies and solar systems, but today I want to go small and look at our bodies. Um, so I'm trying to sort of bridge from the same God who created the galaxies, who spoke a world sprang into being, and, and the same God who holds them there all the time. We learned that if, if the moon was slightly larger or slightly closer, that we would live in either a perpetual uh, uh, drought-ridden, like, like super-hot summer, or a completely frozen winter. But we are exactly 23.4 degrees on, on, on the axis of, of our Earth. The, the, and the moon controls the tides. And we learned all this stuff last time. But the same God who does that does you. The same God. It's incredible. And, and, and I think... You know, drawing a parallel between the, the stars and the cosmos and how big and awesome they are and our, our puny little bodies, um, I, I sort of looked at it and I thought, maybe I'm the first one to do that. But then I discovered that Isaiah was a little bit ahead of me. In Isaiah 44 verse 24, he says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. So before I thought of it, Isaiah thought of it, and he said, the one who, who formed you in the womb is the same one who did the stars and the galaxies. So I hope to blow your mind sort of in reverse today and by looking at, 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 at how incredible you really are. And I hope you are overcome with a sense of wonder at God because God is amazing and awesome. We in our society, we treat God very poorly. We, we, we say his name in vain. We don't give him the honour that he should have. But... God is working not only in the cosmos, but intricately in your own body. Psalm chapter 8, if you have it there, verse 3. And if you have our, our app, all of this, all the notes are on the app. And I should apologise too, for the second week running, we're having um, internet difficulties. So for our home folk, wherever you are, hoping to tune in, we've got, you know, we're hoping you get us. Terrible, isn't it? What can you say about Aussie broadband? I'm the guy with the hose that just doesn't work, you know. That's what it feels like. But let's look at Psalm chapter 8. 
right, it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Don't you feel that sometimes? Last week when we looked at all the stars, I, I looked at it and I thought, who are we? Like, we think we're pretty good. Mankind thinks he's pretty good. We invent stuff like cars and the internet and computers and stuff like that. But really, in the scope of things, we're not that hot. Like, planets are infinitely more awesome and more big. What is man that you would care for him? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would just open our eyes and help us to see the wonder of God in our bodies and also the wonder of God that he would love us, that you would love us, Lord. We just open our hearts to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says it. Uh, you're not a freak. You're not a, 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 you know, an accident. You're not a soulless bag of chemicals, which is what they'll tell you. I went right through high school getting in trouble because I never believed that I evolved from an ape. And, um, and, and the teacher said, well, you know, you, you have evolved from an ape. And I said, excuse, excuse me, sir. He said, yes. I said, I've got a Lebanese friend. He took his shirt off one time, so I understand where you get this whole theory because he was pretty furry. But I don't believe I evolved from an ape. And I was always getting in trouble for that. But Psalm 139 says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are you wor your works, my soul knows it so well. So I want to track back and look at some of the intricacies of our body. And I had a lot of fun preparing this because I like to learn this sort of stuff. I'm a sort of a, a closet science nerd. All right, I'm not closet, I'm just a science nerd and I like this stuff, okay? So you've heard of DNA. Right? But here's newsflash. DNA existed before CSI. <laughs> I know it's a shock. But it did. DNA is dioxyribonucleic acid. It's the basic building block of life. And God who created unbelievably huge galaxies also created unbelievably complex <coughs> tiny strands of genetic material from which generation to generation are influenced and our destinies are influenced. So long before DNA was discovered, Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you, I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So God has a plan for Jeremiah, or had a plan for Jeremiah, and also for you, since before you were born. So before you drew breath, God had a plan in place. And we have, we have DNA and DNA is part of our destiny. Um, God had all, always planned everybody's life out for them, but we often don't listen to him. We disobey and we go our own way, and so we blow it. But I'm telling you, the same God who arranges your DNA ultimately, ultimately can lead you and guide you in your life. The thing is, people think that their entire destiny is governed by DNA, and it's not. You know what it's governed by? Your choices. It's influenced by your DNA. That influences how you look and some of your traits and that sort of stuff. But ultimately your destiny is determined by your choices, not by some genetic kind of uh, fruitcake back there. So 99.9% .9 of DNA in humans is identical and it's only the 0.1% that makes us different. Did you know that? So we're, we're practically related. And here's something else. We actually share 95% of our DNA with primates and 50% of our DNA with bananas. 
50% of your DNA is a banana. Amazing. If we unravel the DNA in a human, it would stretch 10 billion miles. That's a return trip from here to Pluto and back. There's a lot of stuff going on, I'm telling you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. DNA is in the shape of a double helix, and it contains only four building blocks. They're called nucleotides. Guanine, adenine, thymine, and cytosine. So there's only four possible bits to make up DNA. Yet there is an infinite number of blends of those things together. God's pretty cool, isn't he? Do I hear an amen to that? A single chromosome has anywhere from between 50 million and 250 million base pairs. So from these endless combinations of just four nucleotides, we get all the genetic information that shapes our physical lives. This is why I think evolution is a hard sell. Excuse the pun, because I'm going to talk about cells. The human body has 100 trillion cells. 100 trillion of them. Each cell contains about 2 metres of DNA. Every cell has 23 pairs of chromosomes. You probably know some of this. Who remembers this from school? Who didn't pay attention in science class? <laughs> I'm watching you all here now. Fred, you'll be in trouble. There's an exam after this, by the way. But I want you to catch a glimpse of how amazingly complex you are and God designed you just that way. We think we're pretty clever. Listen, this blew my mind. Listen to this. We think we're very clever because we're human beings and we're, we're pretty sure we're awesome. Just ask us, right? But here's it. The entire world's digital information, so digital information for the entire world could be stored on two grams of DNA. Does that blow your mind? So how can such a wonderful thing evolve? Well, the answer is it can't. It takes less faith to believe in God than it does to believe in evolution because evolution, don't, if you look at the facts, it doesn't stack up. So if you see yourself as a chance encounter between a couple of wayward nucleotides and a primal soup a few million years ago, you are incorrect. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So one scientist suggested this because I tried to sort of get some analogies to get my head around how amazingly improbable it is that, that, that evolution actually happened. One scientist suggested this, that the probability of a single strand of DNA arranging itself in the right sequence to create life was 1 in 10 to the 400,000th power. Now, if, let's get this so we can understand. That is the same chance as you winning the lottery every day for 15 billion years. That's, that's the probability. Uh, researcher Sir Fred Hoyle said that supposing the first cell originated by chance is like believing a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747. You know, I mean, it's just, it's actually impossible. So I did a little bit more digging, you know, I looked at proteins and I, I found something called the amino acid slot machine, which I thought was kind of cool because I, I don't, I don't um, gamble at all, but I don't understand people who sit there going like, I'm having fun, you know. Anyway. It's another story for another day. But there may be as many as a million types of protein in the human body, and each one is a little miracle. By all the laws of probability, proteins should not exist. 
To make a protein, you need to assemble amino acids in a particular order in much the same way that you assemble letters to spell a word or something like that. So to make collagen, for example, everybody say collagen? And all the girls go, collagen. Because, you know, it fills up all the, all the you know, spack filler. So it fills the cracks and all that sort of stuff. Well, I don't know. I'm not a girl. But you know what I mean. Like it's... To form collagen, you need to arrange 1,055 amino acids in a precise, precisely right sequence. And the chances of this happening spontaneously are frankly nil. So to grasp what a long shot this is, imagine a Las Vegas slot machine, or we call them a poker machine, that's 27 metres long because it has to accommodate, accommodate 1,055 spinning wheels. And each wheel, instead of having three or four possibilities, has 20 symbols on each one for each of the common amino acids. How long would you have to pull the handle or hit the button before all 1,055 symbols came up in the right order? Effectively forever. It's, it's effectively impossible. Even if you reduce the number of spinning wheels to just 200 instead of 1,055, which is a more typical number for amino acids for a protein, the odds against having 200 coming up in the prescribed sequence uh, listen to this, 1 in 10 to the 260th power. That is 1 followed by 260 zeros. Okay, here's a bit of perspective. That's more than all of the atoms in the entire universe. That's pretty long odds, wouldn't you say? It takes more faith to believe in that stuff than it does to believe in God. Revelation 4 verse 11 says this, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. How amazing is that? So I want to talk about your development. I want to go back to, to talking about you in the womb. So I hate to be defeatist, but we're going to talk about defeatist. And um, who would have thought... So it takes a little while to sink. Just let that sink in there. Who would have thought that the greatest genocide in human history would happen in the what was supposed to be the safest place on earth, which is a womb. A baby has a developing heart, brain, spinal and nervous cells by five weeks gestation, before you even know you're pregnant. Between conception and birth, a baby's heart will beat 54 million times. A baby can hear sound at 16 weeks, has fully developed eyes at 20 weeks, and studies show that they can taste, hear, cry, laugh and experience pain in the womb. And he, let this blow you away. It has fingerprints at 12 weeks. So it is not a little group of cells just hanging around. It's a person. It has fingerprints at 12 weeks of, of gestation. And sadly in this state abortion is legal right up until birth. Psalm 139 says this. I formed you, uh, for you, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your, in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Do You see, we have destiny even in the womb. And God is doing amazing things in your life even before you were born. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And while our government is doing its best to destroy the lives of the next generation, 
God says this, Isaiah 44, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb and will help you, fear not. And I think you can get pretty down and, and, and depressed when you look at the state of our world at the moment. But God says, fear not. The reason Fiona and I started Lily House, uh, which is our charity, um, working with young women, one of the reasons was that we, we want to preserve life. We wanted to save babies from abortion and we've saved quite a few already. And uh, if you've been involved in an abortion in the past yourself, I want to tell you that God loves you. It is not the unforgivable sin, but it will scar you for life. You need to bring that to Christ, okay? He will forgive you. Please don't carry that around. The guilt is phenomenal. I'm not here to try and judge somebody who's been through that. Many times the parents are the victims too. What I am judging is a government, that, that a legislature that legalises this barbaric practice. That's what I think we can judge. Do I hear an amen to that? Thank you. Babies are special. But you are special even though you're out of the womb. You are still special. I want to try and give you give you a grasp on how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. Here's a few fun facts. Your mouth produces one litre of saliva a day. I'm sure that makes you feel good. Laid end on end, an adult's blood vessels would circle the Earth's equator four times. The average person has 67 types of bacteria in his belly button. We've got millions of bacteria in the rest of our body, but that's just in your belly button. Some more than others, I will admit. You lose four kilograms of skin cells every year. That one was for you, Colin, because I know you're a skin, skin doctor. Four kilograms of skin cells. No wonder the dust mites have a good time. Your nerves conduct impulses at 400 kilometres an hour. Your nose can recognise a trillion, not a million or a billion, a trillion cents. And your smell is unique. That's how your dog knows you. <laughs> See, Genesis 1.27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. I'm not going to get into the male and female things, but I notice there's only two choices. <laughs> For another time. But, but please, never believe that you are a mistake. People say, you know, I'm a mistake. You're, you're never a mistake. You are created by Almighty God and you are amazing on so many levels. The Bible says you are made in the image of God. That's why you're important. That's why every life is important. Some of the greatest atrocities in history has happened when governments have said that particular person, that particular form of life, they're not important anymore. Because every life is important. Your life, my life, all of us, our lives are important because we are made in God's image. You are created to reflect him. You are not a mistake. Here's the second thing. You are valuable. Did you know that? You don't feel valuable. But every second, your body produces 25 million cells. A second. So in one second, you produce as many cells as people as we have in our nation. In one second. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Despite the awesomeness of our bodies, the secular world wants to tell us that we evolved from a chance meeting of molecules in a primeval soup. But behind this philosophy, I want you to see, just see past the so-called science and the theories and that. Behind the philosophy, what are they trying to convince you of? They're trying to convince you that you are not important. 
because you're just a bunch of chemicals that you have no intrinsic value no eternal value that's what they're trying to convince you but i'm telling you you're made in the image of god so the 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 evolutionists and stuff they say well our body is made up of carbon water and and, and oxygen and and um, uh, hydrogen nitrogen a bit of calcium a bit of fat well, uh, you know some varying amounts of fat let's say um <coughs> I, I can yeah anyway won't go there as you get older fat likes you more But here's the thing, some or other, some, you know, we, they, they will tell you that we're just a bunch of chemicals, that's all you are, so that when you die you'll just go back to being chemicals and then it'll all be over. So if they took you and boiled you down, I mean perish the thought, but if they took you and boiled you down into your base chemicals, you'd have all of those chemicals and a few other, how much are you worth on the open market? Now originally it was very low, but I didn't realise the potassium now sells for $1,000 a kilo. So it bumped the numbers up. So you're now worth $160. But almost three quarters of that is the tiny amount of potassium you have. So if we take potassium out, let's be generous and say you're worth around 30 bucks. Congratulations. But even the atheist who thinks you're just a bunch of chemicals, he lives in denial of this because Mr. 30 bucks goes out and spends $200 on shoes to put on $3.50 worth of foot. <laughs> or he buys a $100 shirt to put on an $8 chest. It doesn't make any sense. Clearly we are worth more than the sum of chemicals. God puts it this way. Matthew 10, Jesus says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Going down for some of us, but it's still numbered. He says, fear not, therefore, for you are worth more than many sparrows. This idea that you're just chemicals, get it out of your head. You are made in the image of God and you are worthwhile for that very reason. Here's the third thing you may not realize. Again, how awesome you are. You regenerate. Did you know that? You're created by God. You're special and valuable. But life happens. And because of sin in the world, the system sometimes breaks down. Now, did you realize this? The DNA in human cells gets damaged over a hundred times a day, but is amazingly and automatically repaired because that's how God rolls. That's how he set it up. Disease actually occurs when the restoration process breaks down. See, we're healed of so many things so often. Did you realise that? We concentrate on the ones that we're not healed for, but we're healed automatically a lot, of, a lot of the time. Psalm 41 verse 3, The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. So the human body can restore itself automatically. It's a wondrously diverse symphony of, of parts. There's 206 bones, over 600 muscles, controlled by more than a billion neurons, energized by 96,000 kilometers of veins and arteries in the circulatory system. These intricate parts work together in unity as our bodies constantly adapt to instability in its members. So when a body is thrown in, into instability by infection, for example, our lymphatic system works around the clock to fight the infection and restore normal stability. You see, our bodies are constantly fighting toxins in the air we breathe, in the things that we eat, etc., etc. 
And the overwhelming majority of all of the skirmishes that happen at a cellular level are successfully overcome and completely unnoticed by us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're repairing yourself. Do you feel that at the moment? Most of you won't. At a cellular level, scientists tell us that the human body is a conversation between proteins that are absorbed by our cells and transferred from one cell to another. Understanding how this works better enables us to understand how things like cancer operate. Uh, researcher Danny Mill said cancer is a breakdown. Sometimes, uh, somehow the cells are deciding to divide when they shouldn't or telling each other to make blood vessels when they shouldn't. Indeed, it seems that the health of our bodies is intimately tied to the ability of our cells to effectively converse together. That's what a researcher said. So perhaps we can call healing God's Spirit reunifying and restoring our very cells. Interesting view. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord. So our bodies reflect the wonders of God. And I haven't got time to sit around and discuss. I was actually, I was actually uh, chatting with Audrey earlier about um, what's it called? Nano, nanotechnology, which is so mind-blowing. This is the stuff that's coming out now. It will revolutionise how doctors treat disease. Okay? So there is some incredible stuff happening, but I can't sit around and talk about all of that. But I, I just want to tantalise you with a few facts that make you sit there and say, wow, God is awesome in my body. Reflected in my body. So check this out. If you're an adult of average weight, here's what you accomplish in 24 hours. Your heart beats 104,000 times. Your blood travels 270 million kilometres. You breathe 23,000 times. You inhale 7.1 litres of air. You eat 1.47 litres of... Uh, sorry, 1.47 kilograms of food, unless you're on a cruise, and then that's 10.47 <laughs> kilograms of food. You drink 2.74 litres of liquids and you lose nearly 400 grams of waste. You speak 4,800 words, many of which are not even necessary. <laughs> and, and many of you women will know that men have a limited word capacity. You know that, right? <laughs> and, so, and so they come home and they say nothing because I've used it up already. Well, that's our... Any guys with me on that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, chicken. Um, you move 750 muscles. Your nails grow 0.0117 millimetres. Your hair grows 0.435 millimetres, all in a day. And you exercise 7 million brain cells. Some more than others, but you know what I'm saying. Like 7 million brain cells. I want you to understand how intricate... How amazing, how incredible you are and God created you. You are not a freak, you're not an accident, you are created in the image of Almighty God and he, you can trust this Almighty God to lead you in your life and give you an amazing life because he made you, he knows you. Ecclesiastes 11.5 As you do not know the way the Spirit comes into the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. You don't know how babies and, 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 and how babies fit together with souls and stuff. We can tell you, medicine can tell you the process to a degree, but you don't know how that joins up with the soul and how people are actually created. God made everything and he has a plan for you. 
I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It's our favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. People say to me, I don't want to become a Christian because, because uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a rotten life. And I don't. That's not what God's saying. He wants to prosper you and not to harm you. Oh, but I enjoy sinning. Sin's really great. You know, I could go out and I can party. I could do all this sort of stuff. Listen, if you think sin's great, try righteousness. It's awesome. And you never have to look over your shoulder. You never have to worry about stuff. I don't know anyone who is a mature Christian who says, I'd like to swap that for a life of sin. doesn't happen because it's so good to be right with God. It's peace. It's incredible. And he empowers you to do incredible things because he has plans and hopes for you. So, I'm going to say, this is slightly controversial, this bit, but I had to do it because last week we saw, um, there, there's a thing called the Whirlpool Galaxy, if you can pop it up here. That's the Whirlpool Galaxy, and what we saw, and Louis Giglio, uh, who, who, he's the guy who sort of started all this stargazing stuff, um, he said that in the middle of that galaxy is a black hole, and the black hole is actually in the shape of a cross, thank you. That's what the black hole looks like. There's a cross sitting right up there in the Whirlpool Galaxy. But then he went on to say, and I'm not going to build a theology on it because I think the whole of your body's awesome. There's also a cross in your body. Laminin is a protein that is part of the extracellular mix in humans. It basically glues you together. Okay, so, And one form of muscular dystrophy involves defects in this particular thing called laminin. And it is shaped, this is an electron microscope, uh, micrograph of it, it's shaped in the form of a cross. So right in the middle of your cells is a cross. Isn't that cool? I wouldn't build theology on it, but it's, it's kind of cool. I think it's fun. Colossians 1.17 says, and he, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In our bodies, that laminate is what holds it all together. It's like the glue between cells and in our life, the cross is what can hold it all together. So let's talk about eternity. Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And who remembers this? Thank you. Remember that? Sydney, 2000. Up on, this, up, up on the Sydney Harbour Bridge is the word eternity. Why? Because Arthur Stace went along and he wrote it on the sidewalk all around the city. My dad saw it when he was a young man. Now, no one knew who was doing it, but it got everybody talking about eternity. Even an atheist who says they don't believe in this stuff has an awareness that there is something out there. Last week we saw how amazingly huge God is. This week we're seeing how amazingly intricate he is in our bodies and how he deliberately loves and cares for us. And I haven't got time to look at all that aspect. I mean, I'd spend a lot of time on vision because I think it's cool. But, uh, you know... Dr. Francois thinks noses and stuff are cool and, and, and ears and stuff like that. You know, we all like these things, but they're all awesome. It's th your body is amazing all the way through. But I, you know, mankind thinks they're really clever. This is what I love about it. We are so conceited. We are so great. Look at all the things we've invented. We are, you know, going to the moon. We're doing all of these things. But Psalm 39 says this, O Lord, make me know my end, what is the measure of my days, let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made, me, uh, made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. 
Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. You see, we think we're really cool, but in the scope of time, we're like, done. We are. Even if you, even if you hold out, you know, for, for, for 100 and you get a letter from the king now, right? He'll be writing himself a letter in a few years. <laughs> but when you think about it, even if you hold out that long, it's still just a, it's just a breath compared to eternity. We think we're so cool and as we marvel at God's awesomeness, I think the question to ask is, in this hair's breadth of time, in this tiny space that we have that is called our life, are we doing anything with it? The Bible says you get one life. You don't get two or three. You know, reincarnation is not real. You don't get another crack at this. This is it. This is the only life you get. This one life. You're going to blow it? You're going to wipe it out? Or are you going to do something significant on the face of the earth? Who wants to be significant? I do. Are we using our limited time effectively? See, the Bible says we all have an appointment we can't miss. Two things are essential and compulsory in life. Death and taxes. Taxes, not so much. Depends where you live. If you're on Bermuda, you don't care. But death is an appointment we all have to keep. At a cellular level, cells age and are unable to divide and reproduce as they once had. In the whole body level, processes start to break down as we age and we are not as efficient as we used to be. And despite advancements in science which has extended our life a bit, and despite cryogenic chambers and the search for the fountain of youth, we have not found a cure for death. And we don't talk about it very much. As my friend Bill says, you don't get cards saying, Merry Death, Happy Dying. I mean, we just, you know, it's not something we wanted, you know, yay, I'm going to die, that's awesome. You know, we, we, we don't talk about it. It's very mysterious, and we don't really want to think about it. But how many of you know the older you get, things don't work? as well am I the only one because I know you know I get a bit older and I things creak that didn't used to creak and uh, and and bits break down and you know and, and everything hurts and if it doesn't hurt it doesn't work so you know getting old it's part of the normal part of life getting old is a part of life I had someone come to me one time, I'm an optometrist by profession, and they said, I am praying for healing from the need of reading glasses in my late 40s. And I said, well, you can if you like, but that's normal. You're praying for God to heal you from normal, right? Oh, no, God, you know, if I pray enough to the Lord, I, I won't have to wear reading glasses. I'm sorry, everybody gets old, don't they? Put your hand up if you're not getting old. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You're Greek, you don't get old. You, you win an appointment with a psychologist. Because <laughs> I think we're all getting old, okay? Hebrews 9.27 says this, Just as man is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. You see, one appointment we must all keep is with death. And we all die. Some sooner, some later. I cannot explain why some die at one point and at another point. 
Some people live longer, some people live shorter. But at the end of the day, we all die. I believe that we have to change our view of death. That we have to see, you know, mankind is terrified of death. But Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. The perishable uh, puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. There shall come to pass a day, uh, a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? There is a sting. If you think about death, everybody's terrified of it. But the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. And thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you know Jesus, death is not scary anymore. Because the sting's taken out because your sin is dealt with. If you don't know Christ, you are going to hell if you die without him. And so the sting is back in there. I once uh, read about a writer who was sharing with his wife. Uh, He was talking to his wife. She was in the last stages of dying of cancer. And he said to her, what does it feel like to wake up every morning knowing you're dying? And she replied, what does it feel like to wake up every morning pretending you're not? (laughs) Because we are all dying. All of us. It's it's a scary thing. I know um, Dr. Colin, we've talked a lot about this. He's just brought out a book. If you are facing death or someone you love is facing death, you need to see him and read that book. It's it's incredible. It's life-changing because no one else talks about it. We don't talk about death because we're scared of it. But death is a real thing for all of us. I mean, fancy no one talking about something. Everybody, every single person is going to face short of the Lord coming back. We should be talking about it. Once, and you're going to think I'm a bit weird. Well, weirder. Some of you think I'm weird already. But um, many years ago, I had um, some uh, asthma attacks and uh, anaphylaxis, which is where you're face blows up and you sort of get all you look like the elephant man and it sounds funny but it's not it's really scary because you can't breathe um anyway i i was rushed to hospital on one of these occasions i had five of these occasions one one time i was rushed to hospital and um i actually died on the table and i had an experience i got a glimpse of the other side and uh I, i it was like i fell into the arms of jesus i love that verse in deuteronomy 33, the eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. And I fell into those everlasting arms. And I felt peace and I felt love swirling around me and it was just incredible. And then, then, then he sort of pushed me back and then it was happening all around me again in the operating theatre. And I said to one of the nurses, what just happened? And she said, you died for several minutes and we brought you back. So I've, I can't say I've, I've, I've died and come back, but I kind of had a glimpse behind the curtain. And I can tell you that if you know Christ, then you are in good hands. Our physical bodies, as wonderful as they are, will all die. The only question is, the spirit, the real you, that that is behind your body, is this spirit going to live forever in heaven or hell? That's the question. Our body is just a vehicle. It's a pretty nice vehicle for the most part, but it's just a vehicle. It is holding your soul. When you give your life to Jesus, your sin is forgiven. You receive eternal life. Life to the full, Jesus talks about. So it's not like you're going to uh, you know, die and want your money back or something. You know, it's not like you're going to sit up there with ACDC and say, I'm on the highway to hell and smile about it, because he's not smiling now anymore. Because it's a real, hell is a real thing. 
Heaven is a real thing. And we want you to join us with Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is going to be your moment. From our side, from where we look at death as our bodies break down, these incredible, amazing bodies as they break down, from our side, when we look at death, we see it's dark, it's mysterious, it's separation from loved ones. We don't know what's going on. It's scary. But from God's point of view, it's your graduation day. From God's point of view, it's your homecoming. It's your promotion. I love the Salvation Army. When, when, when they die in the Salvation Army, they say they're promoted to glory. I love that. Let's get some of that going. Because it's not a sad day. It's a wonderful day when you are set free from whatever is happening in your body. And you are, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We can be with the Lord forever. That's the joy of it. That's the excitement. And I believe that, that um, as our body breaks down, which is a normal part of living, is dying, as our body breaks down, we should not see death as a bad thing, but as a wonderful thing. I heard about an old missionary who was re returning home from the mission field. He spent many, many years on the mission field. And there he was, he was on a boat, it was back in the day, so they, they caught this boat in, and the President of the United States was on the same boat. And they arrived at New York, and uh, they kept all the people back, and the President got to leave first. So the President, you know, got, walked down the gangplank, there were bands playing, there was, there was, you know, limousines there and all this sort of stuff. The President was whisked away, then when it had all, all the bands and all the press and everything had gone, they let the other people off the boat. And so everybody got up and they greeted their friends and their loved ones, and they were coming home. And this poor old missionary who'd been out there for years and years and years walked to the bottom of the gangplank and there was no one there to greet him. And he stood there by himself and he said to the Lord, he said, this is not much of a homecoming. And the Lord spoke to his spirit and he said, you're not home yet. <laughs> See, we all have a home. And if you know Jesus Christ, you're destined for another body. You're just passing through, as wonderful as our bodies are, and I hope you can see how amazing God is, but you're just passing through because he has a home in glory for you that outshines the sun. Our bodies are amazing, but our souls are even more amazing because they will live forever in heaven or hell, the Bible teaches. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 10, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You can't change death. It's an appointment. But you can live life to the full before you die and you can step into eternity knowing that you are safe in the arms of Jesus. When I talk to people out there, I realize there's so many people that are actually dead and they're dead men walking. They're just, they're dead inside. Their body hasn't caught up with that yet, but their souls are dead. And I think God wants more for us, don't you? Today I want to pray against the fear of death, but I also want to speak Jesus into the life you have now. Because I used to think that, well, when I'm a Christian, I'll have this really tough life and then I'll die and I'll go to, be, to heaven and it will be all awesome from that point on. But that is not true because Jesus promised life and life to the full and it starts now. We can live a life of victory now. We can triumph over our addictions now. We can triumph over the, 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 the difficult things that come to us. We can start now. Why not live life to the full now? You've only got one life. Don't blow it. I'm hearing about kids that are graduating from high school 
And you're saying, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And they decide they're going to sit in front of a computer and play computer games 12 hours a day for the rest of their life. That's not life. Life to the full is where you get to live and what's even better is you get to fellowship with the Lord the whole time and with his people. So I want to pray for some of you, or for all of us actually, because I believe that we live in a nation where we've got the greatest opportunity in history to stand for what is right and true. Never before has our society been such a mess. But the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. And we need to decide as a people that we're going to make our lives count. We can float along and say nothing. We can sort of try and sneak under the radar all the time. But I'm telling you, the Lord is... I found this in the message in Matthew 10. Stand up for me against world opinion and I'll stand up for you before my Father. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? I love the message. Isn't that cool? And how about Exodus 32? Moses stood at the gate and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Because I believe if we make our lives count, and we can do that here in our community, we can make our lives count. And don't tell me you're too old or too young. Because in the Bible, Moses was 80 years old when he started off his ministry. So, you, you know, God can use us, but what he's, he's, he's not interested in our ability, it's our availability. And if you make yourself available to him, he will use you in a way that is just incredible. You get one life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So what are you going to do this morning? We've heard about how wonderful our bodies are, but what are you going to do in response? Are you, are you going to use this wonderful body for his glory or just sail through life getting what you can? I think that we should give everything to the Lord, don't you? Would you, would you bow in prayer for me? Having spoken about how amazing our bodies are, I cannot help but start by saying if you don't know Jesus or if you've made a commitment long in the past and you, you've been running from him, floating away from him, then this is your moment. Because if you were to die without Christ, you will go to hell for eternity. But I want to give you the best news that you can possibly have right now. That God loves you, that he cares for you, that he's made a way in the person of his son to draw you and, and to, to buy you back from eternity. Eternity separated from him. As your body is going to break down, do not let your soul go with it. This is your moment. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, this is I want, to, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to join me. And together we are going to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And maybe you say, well, you know, I'm kind of a Christian. I've been to church a lot, but I'm not sure. Well, this is the day to make sure. This is the time to get it right. Because you only have one life. And we want to make sure that this life is lived to the full. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life or if it's been a long time since you've, you've really interacted with him, pray this prayer with me. And together, we will see your life transformed for all eternity. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin and towards you. I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit.
and thank you for the gift of eternal life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you just to shoot your hand up where you are. We won't get you out the front or anything. Just lift your hand up very quickly where you are. Praise God. Now, for the rest of us, we've made commitments to Christ. But I believe we need to live life and life to the full, don't you? I believe we need to stand for what is right and true. And this is our greatest opportunity. This is the greatest moment in history to be alive and be a Christian. Because the stakes are getting higher and higher and we have the incredible privilege. So I echo what Moses said there. Who is on the Lord's side? And I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. If you are serious about using what life you have left for the glory of God, and I don't mean that haphazardly or just as a throwaway line, I mean truly devoting yourself to serving Him. I'm going to ask you wherever you are to stand up. If you are ready to fully commit your life to Him, just stand up wherever you are because I know there will be many of us. And this means no holding back, no limits. You say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm going, to, I'm going to do it. And if that is you, just stand up wherever you are. And I'm looking around and the whole room is full of people saying, I want to make a difference. If you're ready to make this group, make this with me. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I totally surrender my life to you. Have your way, Lord. And I promise I will be obedient. Forgive me for my disobedience. But from this moment on, I will be obedient to your call. Just take a few moments. Just focus your, 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 the eyes of your heart on Him. I'm going to ask you to just take a few seconds where we are. This is pretty much the whole church. I want you to take a few seconds and just say, Lord, use me. Lord, I'm yours. You show me you use me. Father, you hear the prayers of your people. We want to be used by you. We want to make a difference. Lord, we want to stand for what is right and true in a nation that is falling apart. Heavenly Father, hear the cry of our hearts. We want to make our life count. And we know that we will face death the same as anyone else, but we pledge that we will just keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. That we will not turn to the right or to the left, but we will fix our eyes on you. Lord, I want to pray against the fear of death that is over many people's lives here. And you might say, well, I'm, I don't really fear death. I'm just worried about how it'll happen. That's still a fear. Lord, we just say it with me. Lord, I give you my fear of death. And I make the choice to trust you. No matter what. We're going to sing together. All of us will face it.